I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Second Chronicles chapters 10 through 12. Now the reading that we had two days ago in First Kings chapters 12, 13, and 14 uh, parallels some of what we'll be reading today, so a lot of this is going to sound familiar. In Second Chronicles chapter 10, we find in verses 1 through 19 the struggle of the Boam boys, and you'll see what I mean in just a few moments. Rehoboam, Solomon's son, and Jeroboam, who'd been the captain or general over the forced labor of Solomon, they go at it in this chapter. Verse 1, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for to Shechem were all Israel come to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was in Egypt, whether he had fled from the presence of Solomon the king, heard it that Jeroboam returned out of Egypt. And they sent and called him. So Jeroboam and all Israel came and spake to Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore ease thou somewhat the grievous servitude of thy father and his heavy yoke that he put upon us, then we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Come unto me after three days, and the people departed. And King Rehoboam took counsel with the old man that had stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, saying, What counsel give ye me to return answer to this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou be kind to this people, and please them, and speak good words to them, they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel which the old men gave him, and took counsel with the young men that were brought up with him, that stood before him. And he said unto them, What advice give ye that we may return answer to this people, which have spoken to me, saying, Ease somewhat the yoke that thy father did put upon us? And the young men that were brought up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou answer the people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it somewhat lighter for us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little fingers shall be thicker than my father's loins. For whereas my father put a yoke upon you, I will put more to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, as the king bade, saying, Come again to me on the third day. And the king answered them roughly, and King Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old men, and answered them after the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add thereto, My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was of God that the Lord might perform his word, which he spake by the hand of Ahijah the Shilonite, to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. And when all Israel saw that the king would not hearken unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? And we have none inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to your tents, O Israel, and now, David, see to thine own house. So all Israel went to their tents. But as for the children of Israel that dwelt in the cities of Judah, 
Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Hadaram, that was over the tribute, and the children of Israel stoned him with stones that he died. But King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. And Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. Now, as I mentioned a few moments ago, this passage is paralleled in 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 1 through 15. Uh, we read that passage on um, two days ago. So we see here in our Second Chronicles account, we get a little more detail about the southern kingdom, but almost nothing about the northern kingdom of Israel and Jeroboam. Well, and that's because Second Chronicles was written for the exiles as a recap of the activities of the southern kingdom and the lineage of King David. The activities of the northern kingdom only get treatment in Chronicles when it has some sort of a bearing on the activities of the southern kingdom. Well, Rehoboam, he never really had a chance. I mean, he was Solomon's son and rightful heir to the throne. But Solomon's streak of stubbornness caused God's decree to be passed upon his kingdom after his death back in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 11. That passage says, Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, Forasmuch as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servant. God had told Solomon his kingdom would be split in two after his death, and that's because he entertained the pagan gods of his many, many wives and concubines. When Rehoboam gets the reins of the kingdom, prophetically the split of Solomon's kingdom is a done deal already. It's ironic that the man Solomon had placed in charge of his forced labor, that was Jeroboam, he returns from exile in Egypt and becomes the king of choice for those rebel northern kingdom people. More of that detail is available in our parallel account, which is 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 1-15. through 15. The fact that Rehoboam rejects the counsel of the older, wiser men and opts rather for the counsel of the younger men, that's really incidental to the results here. God had already said that the nation would split. Notice verse 15 here, it says, So the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was of God that the Lord might perform his word which he spake by the hand of Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Rehoboam made a mistake, but God knew he'd make that mistake, a mistake that simply facilitated the prophecy against his dad, which had to be fulfilled anyway. Now, two Israels and two Boams, not related, of course. I still like to call them the Boam boys, though. So here's Rehoboam's solution in Second Chronicles chapter 11, verses 1 through 12. Let's just go to war with the northern kingdom. Verse 1. And when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he gathered of the house of Judah and Benjamin and hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men, which were warriors, to fight against Israel, that he might bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam. But the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speaking to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all Israel and Judah and Benjamin, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up, nor fight against your brethren, Return every man to his house, for this thing is done of me. And they obeyed the words of the Lord, and returned from going against Jeroboam. And Rehoboam dwelt in Jerusalem, and built cities for defense in Judah. He built even Bethlehem, and Edom, and Tekoa, and Bethzer, and Shoko, and Adullam, and Gath, and Marishah, and Ziph, 
and Adoraim, and Lachish, and Azekah, and Zorah, and Ajalon, and Hebron, which are in Judah and in Bethlehem, fenced cities. And he fortified the strongholds, and put captains in them, and store of victual, and of oil and wine. And in every city he put shields and spears, and made them exceeding strong, having Judah and Benjamin on his side." I mean, it's got to be very disappointing to find a significant portion of your kingdom just kind of slipped away. Rehoboam determines to go to war to get them back. He gets together his army of 180,000 soldiers. God says to him, though, through the prophet Shemaiah, don't fight your relatives. So he abandons the war idea. He does, however, determine to fortify his main cities as strongholds against his potential enemies. An action detailed here in Second Chronicles chapter 11, but only mentioned in passing, by the way, in the parallel passage in First Kings chapter 12. Incidentally, verse 12 mentions the participation with Judah of the tribe of Benjamin. Since Judah was the lone tribe that became the southern kingdom, it's deducted that part of Benjamin, that part nearest Jerusalem, must have integrated into Judah, while the remainder went with the northern kingdom. Now look at the notes that I've written on 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 16 to 24, to get some more detail on that. Incidentally, building projects completed were considered benchmarks for a king's success during his tenure. Those are mentioned here, undoubtedly, as an indicator that Rehoboam did have some accomplishments during his reign. In 2 Chronicles chapter 11, verses 13 through 17, we see some new priests are in town. Uh, the parallel passage here is 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 25 all the way down to verse 33, considerable more detail there than we find in Second Chronicles chapter 11 here. Verse 13, And the priests and the Levites that were in all Israel resorted to him out of all their coast. For the Levites left their suburbs and their possession and came to Judah and Jerusalem. For Jeroboam and his sons had cast them off from executing the priest office unto the Lord. And he ordained him priest for the high places and for the devils, and for the calves which he had made. And after them, out of all the tribes of Israel, such as their hearts to seek the Lord God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice unto the Lord God of their fathers. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah, and made Rehoboam the son of Solomon strong. Three years, for three years they walked in the way of David and Solomon. In the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today, the uh, parallel passage, First Kings chapter 12, beginning with verse 25, is in blue. I'm not going to read that, but there's more detail with the story behind the story for the events that take place here. Jeroboam actually ran all the priests out of the northern kingdom, uh, which, by the way, we'll start calling Israel. Those priests fled to the southern kingdom, which hereafter we'll be calling Judah. Jeroboam is no idiot. He conjectures, we see in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 27, where he says that this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Jeroboam king of Judah, and they shall kill me, and go again to Rehoboam king of Judah. So First Kings chapter 12 gives us the solution Jeroboam came up with. He decided to resurrect Aaron's golden calf idea, but for convenience of worship, he decided to make two golden calves this time. Second Chronicle leaves out the episodes of the evil doings of Israel from this point forward and will follow only the events that take place in Judah. 
and that's because it was written to the Jewish exiles uh, in 535 B.C. or thereafter. But Israel stuck with their calves, by the way, and they never served the one true God of David after this point in time right here. Jeroboam put a stop to worship according to the law of Moses. He, by the way, ordained his own set of pagan priests to implement the worship of the golden calves. With the priests leaving the tribes of the northern kingdom and coming to Jerusalem, we see in verse 17 that they contributed to Rehoboam's southern kingdom a measure of godliness toward Jehovah. However, as the verse indicates, that only lasted for the first three years. Then we see some religious corruption. By the fifth year of his reign, Rehoboam has turned against the one true God himself, and we see him being punished by God accordingly in Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 2. And then we see uh, in verse 18, when it comes to marrying, I mean, taking wives, Rehoboam, he follows dad's example, King Solomon, verse 18. And Rehoboam took him Mahalath, the daughter of Jeremoth, the son of David, to wife, and Abihel, the daughter of Eliab, the son of Jesse, which bare him children, Jeush, and Shamariah, and Zaham. And after her he took Maacah, the daughter of Absalom, which bare him Abijah, and Atai, and Ziza, and Shelemith. And Rehoboam loved Maacah, the daughter of Absalom, above all his wives and his concubines, for he took eighteen wives and threescore concubines, and begat twenty and eight sons and threescore daughters. And Rehoboam made Abijah the son of Maacah the chief, to be ruler among his brethren, for he thought to make him king. And he dealt wisely and dispersed of all his children throughout all the countries of Judah and Benjamin unto every fenced city, and he gave them victual in abundance, and he desired many wives. Well, in marrying, Rehoboam was, well, he's no contest for dad. I mean, a way distant second at best compared to Solomon's 1,000 wives and concubines. And who knows how many children. So here's the count. 18 wives, 60 concubines, 28 sons, and 60 daughters. So what exactly was a concubine anyway? Well, I've written a little bit of information on a concubine. It's located uh, in the reading on uh, August the 18th, uh, sitting right next to 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 8, where it talks about uh, Solomon's wives and concubines. And there's a little article there which has been reproduced from Easton's Bible Dictionary, which explains concubines. And they're actually second-class wives. She lacked some of the um, privileges and rights of a full-fledged wife. After Solomon's abuse, it hardly seems worth mentioning again Rehoboam's violation of Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 17, which says, Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. I mean, the fact is, excessive wives was probably one of Rehoboam's lesser blatant offenses before God during his reign. But it was a tough 17 years, and we see that when we get over to Second Chronicles chapter 12, verses 1 through 16, which, by the way, is paralleled by First Kings chapter 14, beginning with verse 21 down to verse 31.
So let's read Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 1. And it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. And it came to pass that in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. With twelve hundred chariots and threescore thousand horsemen, and the people were without number, they came with him out of Egypt, the Lubims, the Sakims, and the Ethiopians, and he took the fenced cities which pertained to Judah, and came to Jerusalem. Then came Shemaiah the prophet to Rehoboam and to the princes of Judah that were gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shishak, and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Ye have forsaken me. And therefore have I also left you in the hand of Sheshach. Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. And my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Sheshach. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants, that they may know my service and the service of the kingdoms of the countries. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasure of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took all. He carried away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made, instead of which King Rehoboam made shields of brass and committed them to the hands of the chief of the guard that kept the entrance of the king's house. And when the king entered into the house of the Lord, the guard came and fetched them and brought them again into the guard chamber. And when he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him, that he would not destroy him altogether. And also in Judah things went well. So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. For Rehoboam was one and forty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, to put his name there. And his mother's name was Naamah and Ammonitus. And he did evil, because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Now the acts of Rehoboam, first and last, are they not written in the book of Shemaiah the prophet, and of Iddo the seer concerning genealogies? And there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam continually. And Rehoboam slept with his fathers, was buried in the city of David, and Abijah his son reigned in his stead. At some point in Rehoboam's fifth year, he turns against God. I mean, what's up with that? Shishak, the king of Egypt, heads up a coalition against Judah. God delivers Judah into their hands. After the initial defeat, Rehoboam repents and turns to the one true God for help. Enter the prophet Shemaiah. He tells Rehoboam that God will spare Jerusalem minus the riches his dad and grandfather had amassed. Shishak took the riches. It was also Shemaiah back in 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 22 and 23. He's the guy that told Rehoboam not to attack Jeroboam. This passage concludes by indicating that the Boam boys, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, fought and fought and fought during their simultaneous reigns. Now let's pay close attention to the chastening hand of God in this passage as a result of Rehoboam's disobedience. Notice the wording of verse 1. It says, And it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. 
Now look at verse 2. Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. After their defeat, Shemaiah proclaims in verse 5, Thus saith the Lord, Ye have forsaken me, and therefore have I also left ye in the hand of Shishak. The results of the chastisement were reduced after Rehoboam humbled himself in verse 12, but it was too late for complete restoration to the circumstances that had existed before Rehoboam turned his back on God. Now, in the um, written notes of BibleTrack.org for today, I have a yellow box at this point which shows a recap of Rehoboam's reign. There's a lesson here that is still applicable today regarding chastisement from God. When God intercedes in one's life through chastisement, repentance from disobedience often follows that. However, a complete restoration to pre-disobedient status is not always achieved, as was the case with Rehoboam in this passage. If you'd like more information regarding that, look at the article that I've written under the topic section of BibleTrack.org entitled Trial versus Chastisement. Or if you're looking at the written notes, there's a link here at the bottom of the page for that particular article. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.BibleTrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.